For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. This is CFB Unfiltered. We are here for week three of college football action. I'm Blaine Gilmer. And I'm Donovan White. And our other co-host, Josh Taylor, is away on assignment doing some stuff for his other passion, the Washington football team. Uh, Actually, I think Donovan's watching it over in the background there right now, seeing his man Chase Young from Ohio State do some work. So uh, without, without any further ado, guys, let's get started here on CFB Unfiltered. Donovan, a lot went on in week two, uh, a lot went on between week two and week three, and we have uh, some headlines to hit, some storylines to hit right off the bat here. So without further ado, man, take it away. What's uh, What's been going on this week in college football? Yeah, I think arguably the biggest one with the you know the most playoff implications and the, the long term of the season was Ohio State getting upset by Oregon at home, right? I was at that game, and I can tell you it was brutal. Um, the Ohio State defense – you know, we kind of saw in, in 2019 when Dwayne Haskins was there tearing up records, right? We saw the defense struggle then, but it almost seems different now, right? Ohio State's defense seems just confused, right? They seem lost, which is a hard cry from 2019 where it just seemed like they needed to kind of find their rhythm. Now they just seem lost. They don't they don't seem talented enough. They, they seem lost. Um, there's major issues to fix on a schematic level, right? Um a lot of people have talked about CJ Stroud, you know, Oh, he's a red shirt freshman. He threw for almost 500 yards. I don't understand the, you know, the kind of hyping up of him. Right? I, I didn't think he played bad, but you can tell he's not, he's not an elite college football quarterback right now. He's not making those 40 yard bombs right into the pocket, right? He's, he's doing fine, but you know, can that quarterback win, you know, a national championship for Ohio state? I say no at the moment. That's not to say he can't get better. Um, and again, yeah, six of 15, I mean, and you're talking about you're talking about uh, you know defensively too that Ohio yeah. State was just hot garbage. I mean, uh, Verdell went Verdell cut right through him, 161 yards rushing mm-hmm. on 20 carries, had two touchdowns rushing, another one receiving. Um, yeah. You know, our our title of our show here tonight is can is, is Alabama set to destroy Florida? Well, part of that is because of the the balance of Alabama's offense and also they play complementary football on defense. So uh, this defense is a lot better, I think, for Alabama this year than it was last year. I think that's what's separating, you know, you talk about Ohio State and Alabama who played for a national title last year. That's kind of what's separating this crew right now. And uh, a lot of people calling on Ryan Day to to make a change, you know, over there defensive coordinator. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, it, it's tough to make major changes on the defensive side of the ball, you know, coordinator-wise middle of the season. But again, 6-15 on third down versus Oregon, right? Eight penalties. Right? I mean, it, 
I don't doubt Ryan Day, and I don't doubt that coaching staff, but they've got to make some kind of change they got, if they've got any hope to make it to the playoffs. I don't, I'm not too worried about their Big Ten chances, you know, making it back to the championship and potentially even winning the championship, but, you know, making a stamp in the playoffs, you got to make some kind of changes. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And then, you know, on top of that, uh, you know, you had Ohio State going down, but also as, as depressing as that was for that fan base, Arkansas, those fans in Fayetteville, Arkansas, were just as elated with their victory over Texas, right, Donovan? Yeah, I mean, I saw the video on Twitter. I think a lot of people did of the uh, Arkansas athletic director post game. I mean, I love it. I mean, that is that's that's football at its finest, right? And it's just you you're just happy for them, right? You know, you could hate the SEC like I do, but you're just happy for that team. Um, Donovan yeah. makes no bones about his <laughs> hatred for the no. SEC. Now I will always lay it out there, right? It's, you know, but Arkansas, their defense was just was lights out, right? They held Texas to only 250 yards of offense. And their run game, I mean, 333 yards of rushing. Talk about dominance, right? From not only just from the offensive line, but from a, a, a schematic level, right? From a, a mindset level, right? Again, you can have the perfect scheme and a great line, but to rush for over 300 yards, that's, that, is a, that is a different mindset you bring to the table. And again, well, and you, you talking about Sam Pittman too, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Pittman, an offensive line coach by trade. Didn't that? Am I correct in saying that Arkansas brought back all five of their of yep. their starters from the, from the year before on the offensive line? So KJ Jefferson has an experienced experienced bunch in front of him. He mm-hmm. is the type of guy that they're going to be able to run those designed runs with a big bodied type guy. But when you talk about you know, and we're going to get. I promise everybody stick around because we're getting to that Alabama Florida matchup and some of these bigger matchups here in just a minute after we cover some of these headlines, but did want to say, you know, Arkansas now with that victory and how well they're playing and how some of the other teams in the sec West are playing LSU is down. You know, you've got uh, a team in, in Ole Miss that, who knows what they are still because we don't know what the defense is going to be like. Mississippi State is on an even playing field at best with Arkansas. So Arkansas has the the ability to go and make some noise, but K.J. Jefferson is going to have to grow, Donovan, on top of just being able to do design runs. He's going to have to be a little bit more accurate in the passing game. Yeah, he's going to have to prepare to not be able to have success in the run game, right, like you did versus Texas when you played teams like Alabama or, you know, Georgia, right? If it, it, it's, you're going to have to be more balanced and more consistent to survive that division. Um, and again, you have some teams, you know, you're still have questions about, but again, you know, who's at, at the top of that division. Undoubtedly so. And, uh, you know, speaking of being at the top, it always seems that Notre Dame is at the top of the, the college football headline world. And when it comes to Notre Dame right now, uh, in terms of, what they've accomplished this year. Yeah, they're 2-0, and but they beat a Florida State team in overtime. And now after what Jacksonville State did to Notre Dame, that almost looks like a loss in my book, uh, Donovan. And then, you know, going neck to neck and, you know, right to the wire with a Toledo team. Yeah, and I know those players in those locker room, like knowing football, right, they are thinking back, thinking, man, we only beat, you know, we only beat Florida State by three, right? And we – and Florida State is 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 not like there's some under the radar. Oh, Florida State's kind of coming back, right? No, like Florida State's awful, right? Notre Dame, they're 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 bad. I mean, they're so bad, and it's a shame because they're a blue blood program. I mean, as close as you can get, right? Notre what was Dame. Even though, worse was the the poor young man that decided it was still a good idea to uh, 
proposed to his girlfriend after the game after losing to a, uh, you know, I don't even, I think uh, they're FCS Jacksonville yeah. State. So that is just as bad as low as it gets. But hey, he was overcome with love, joy he in his heart, said he's going to go ahead and take care of that proposal. Uh, so he did. But I agree with you, Donovan. I, this Notre Dame team um, just has not had under Brian Kelly, in my opinion, even when they've been better than I, what I think they are this year, that killer instinct, right? Mm-hmm. That ability to, put teams away when they need to. Um, I don't know with Jack Cohn at the helm at quarterback, if they're going to be able to do that. I almost think that I know he may not be ready yet in terms of the full package and everything, but Tyler Butner may be the best playmaker on that team. So, you know, what happens, how, how long before they end up, you know, going to a guy like a Tyler Butner more often? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a question of do you wait until you lose a game, right? Or how many games do you barely, you know, squeak out, right? Again, Notre Dame's going to play better teams than Toledo. Toledo is, you know, uh, historically and especially in the last decade or so, an upper tier team in the MAC, right? But again, love love my boys over the MAC. You know, Notre Dame, right? Especially a ranked Notre Dame, right? A number eight, number nine Notre Dame shouldn't be beating an upper tier MAC team by only three points, right? So the question is, how long? does you know do until changes happen at Notre Dame when they play better quality teams better players right where some of those wins aren't going to happen yeah I agree I I think that uh, Notre Dame will get exposed here later on in the year but speaking of uh doing some exposing I suppose you're in Josh's pick right here a little bit I think y'all both went with the Cyclones over the Hawkeyes but hey it's okay y'all went with uh y'all both went with uh I think we all picked North Carolina in week one, but I said North Carolina was going to kill Virginia Tech. I was totally wrong about that. But uh, I was right on Iowa and Kurt Ferentz having a defense that was capable of, you know, being able to just really shut down Matt Campbell and that Iowa State team. Uh, It looks to me like going forward that Iowa is a serious contender in the Big Ten, especially with uh, Ohio State's struggles defensively. Yeah, I mean – Iowa's offense, right, isn't anything special. They only had 173 total yards of offense. But do you doubt that they could get at least 300 right now on Ohio State's defense? It, I mean, the, I mean, honestly, it, it, and again, I'm an Ohio State homer, but honestly, the matchup of Ohio State's offense, which for some reason the college football world thinks is still this elite offense right now, I hate to break it to you, they're not. And you, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, the matchup of Ohio State's offense right now, which I think is struggling, versus Iowa's defense, which is clearly top tier, and Iowa's, you know, I mean, average at best offense versus Ohio State's awful defense. I mean, who do you trust more in the matchup? I'm trusting Iowa right now more because they've shown us more of they are proven at the moment. Uh, you know, Iowa, their their defense, it, it's playing lights out right now, and it's it suits their style. It suits the style of the Big Ten perfectly for them to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I I don't view Iowa as a national championship yeah. contender, but I really don't view anybody out of the Big Ten as a national championship contender mm-hmm. after this past week. I mean, Ohio State would have a lot of lot of uh, ground to to make up, a lot to correct over there to be in that race. And then finally, I guess the biggest news before we get to our our preview of Alabama and Florida and all the big matchups this week was the firing of USC's Clay Helton. Um, they get taken down by you know by a Stanford team that was you know a big underdog 17 point underdog I believe and you know they come in there and they use their two and three tight end sets and all that kind of stuff that David Shaw likes to do and just ran Clay Helton out of uh, out of Los Angeles basically 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions with USC, right? They're they're a historic program that you have too much history and honest, and quite frankly, too much talent, right? I mean, Keaton Slovis is 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 probably one of the better quarterbacks to come out of USC, one of the top quarterbacks in college football, if you ask me. And there's too much talent there and too much history of that program not succeeding. Some other storylines of you know what might happen with their next head coach and who that might be. Um, it, it's a shame. Right? And again, you hate to see the college football is better when the blue bloods are good. When all, when all of them are as many as possible are good and seeing UC, USC get obliterated by Stanford, it just sucks for the college football world, honestly. Yeah. You got to wonder, you know, who's going to end up with that job. There's going to be a lot of mm-hmm. shuffling. There's uh, names like Luke Fickle, you know, mm-hmm. formerly at Ohio state Cincinnati, of course, Dan Mullen's been been linked to it, but he seems to be linked to every job, even Urban Meyer. Uh, so a lot of uh, Ohio State, Florida ties, you know, uh, Eric, Eric uh, Bahimi out of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Kansas City, all of these all of these guys. Sam Kim, this is a live stream. You can see right now, hey, this is this is live, buddy. So uh, we're, we are live. There is going to be some pre-recorded stuff that we have to play in because Josh is not with us here tonight. But, no, we are live right now. So hi, Sam. Uh, tell all your friends, spread it around. But we we do have pre-recorded interviews and stuff like that that we have to play just for logistical purposes. Uh, we're all in different spots here. But, you know, without, you know, any further ado, those were kind of the, the headlines there. Uh, Donovan, I think it's time to start talking a little bit of playoff implications in some of these big-time matchups. What do you say? I think we're ready to roll. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, it's always about playoffs around here, right? That's what college football has become all about. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to become a member of the four. And uh, speaking of one of those pre-recorded interviews, like I said, Josh is not with us tonight. He is at uh, the Washington football team's game as he also does a, a podcast covering those guys. Um, but you know, he did, he was kind enough to leave us with his thoughts on some of these games. So here is Josh's breakdown of Alabama and Florida. And then of course my game of the week, we have Alabama at Florida. Uh, This seems like a game that's always stressed me out in the past, just because of what Florida, like how good they were. Um, But it seems like in recent history, it hasn't been the same. You know, this championship was a good game. Um, Went back and forth. I had a lot of great moments in it, but I feel like, It's different going to the Swamp. Everyone knows that. Playing at Florida, another hostile environment, just like going to LSU, just like going to Tuscaloosa. It's the same thing. So Alabama knows exactly what they're getting into. On this one, I think it's going to be the quarterback play of Florida that really limits them and what they can do. Now, of course, you know, Emory Jones started out the season, and it seems like there's a quarterback controversy, even though Dan Mullen says there's not. It's hard to uh, really ignore that because Anthony uh, Richardson came in last week and lit it up i know it was only usf but still when you show big play abilities like that and that home run playability i mean you're talking like 70 yard runs 80 yard uh touchdown passes like stuff like that emory jones was not capable of doing and it's nothing against emory jones i just don't think he has the passing ability and i mean anthony richardson's a tall dude what is he like six four two twenty five something like that they're talking about like comparing them to like Tim Tebow size and stuff like that. So, and you think about like the pass that's given Alabama fits, it's the big mobile quarterbacks. Now, of course, Will Anderson, we don't know if he's going to play or not, you know, had the knee injury. 
They said he's been questionable, looking like he's going to be a game-time decision, which worries me because, you know, you talk about any running quarterback, whether um, it's Anthony or Emory Jones, regardless of size and speed, they want to stretch. They want to go sideline to sideline. They want that speed. They want to run with the quarterback. It's pretty much all their offense because uh, Anthony Richardson is the leading rusher on the team right now, which is not good if you're Florida. Um, so for me, you really want Will Anderson to be able to cut off that outside and really just contain everything on the inside um, and allow – uh, full Darius Mathis and DJ Dale to come up across the middle and put pressure on the quarterbacks. And if not, of course, you know, I think Josh Job's coming back this game. Malachi Moore, obviously out there. You have a great linebacker course, Shane Lee, uh, Henry Toto. So this is a good test for Alabama. Like get ready. Nick Saban did not like that performance against Marshall last week. Understandable. Looked a little sluggish to be honest with you, especially in the first half. Um, so this game I'm looking for Alabama to come out and force their will on defense. And I think it's going to be a lot easier than it has been in the past, just because Florida doesn't have that run game. You just have to be disciplined. You can't, you know, overrun plays. You can't be too aggressive, or you are going to get beat by the quarterback on the feet. So for me, I think defense wins this game for Alabama. And I think still, uh, you know, Brian Robinson, Bryce Young is going to do what he does. I think only person you really have to worry about on defense, I'm worried about. I think the front four is really good for Florida. Um, but uh, Kier Alam, obviously, uh, one of their best guys in secondary. I think you obviously have to keep a good eye on him with your Bryce Young, but you run the ball, you play Alabama football, light it up with Bryce Young deep, and you're going to be fine. Just let defense do its thing. You'll beat Florida and uh, at the Swamp. It's 14 half-point favorites. I feel like that's a lot of points. Um, but this kind of feels like those one of those weird like 13, 17-point game uh, wins for Alabama. So I have Alabama. I'm curious what, what y'all think about this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Josh is right on the right on the money there when it comes to the quarterback play of Florida mm -hmm. being the big issue here. Emory Jones, four interceptions so far through against FAU and USF. I went back and broke down the tape, right? I was looking, okay, what happened on these interceptions? Emory Jones, Donovan, through it was a quarters look at the beginning. Mm -hmm. That means four uh, defenders in in deep quarters coverage, and they rolled they rolled the cornerback, brought a safety down, and went to cover three. And he threw a quick hitch right into the the corner that rolled down the safety that rolled down and jumped it in the flat there. When you're throwing picks against cover three as the quarterback at the University of Florida. And then, oh, guess what? His next pick in that game, against cover three. He, <laughs> let, he, he, he was going in a deep cross over the middle. They had a post route that took the corner out of it. So what happens when a corner vacates his deep third? There's a crosser coming right in behind it. It was a beautifully designed play by Dan Mullen, but he held it so long that the flat player had no threat and was able to sink back into that deep third and pick off that cross route. And uh, just elementary mistakes by Emory Jones. And I think if Anthony Richardson's not able to play uh, or is hampered at all in this game, Florida's in trouble. Yeah, I think I tried to buy into the, you know, the hype of, oh, dual threat quarterbacks always kind of, you know, do well against Alabama. But, you know, after kind of doing some thinking and maybe listening to Josh in that video, the last kind of push over the cliff, I – Florida doesn't have much hope in this, right? Again, when you have a you know an unspoken quarterback controversy, I don't care what you know Dan Mullen and the coaches say. They're, 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 they're after after the play that you just described, you know, blame with with Emory Jones. There is a quarterback controversy, and I get it's at home. It's it's in Florida. The crowd's gonna be rocking. I 
I don't see much hope for Florida, right? It, it's kind of the typical, you know, oh, the the big game with Alabama, right? They're they're number one, they're number two, they're playing a top SC team, right? And yet you already kind of know what's gonna happen. Again, you, you you didn't have much hope in general, but when you have struggling quarterback play, when you have struggling defense, right? I mean, the the Florida gave up for has given up was twenty first downs in both games or was it in the uh, USF game, I believe. They give up twenty first downs in the F in the USF game alone. Yep. Florida has given up forty three first downs, forty three first downs in two games. Just for reference, Georgia playing Clemson and UAB, which UAB is a far sight better than F than USF or FAU. They won the conference USA last year. Georgia's given up twenty five first downs all year. And Florida's given up 43. Alabama's given up 31 first downs all year. So I, I just people who think this game is going to be close with Alabama and Florida, uh, I don't I don't know what why you're thinking that. Bryce Young is about to rack up. Let's let's put it this way, Donovan. Florida was dependent on the run game in the first two weeks, right? They averaged 382 rushing yards in each game. That's impressive. I mean, that's, that's, but 275 of those rushing yards came from Anthony Richardson on busted plays and, and quarterback design runs where Alabama, a Nick Saban coach defense is not going to fall for that. I mean, that no. is not going to happen. Um, so let's just, let's just see. I think this is at minimum a 21 point victory for Alabama. Yeah, and again, this is this is a game where your only hope is that Bryce Young, right, being the younger guy that he is, he's got to fall apart, right, in the Alabama defense with Will Anderson and Chris Allen out for the season, right? Will Anderson, you know, unsure of the game. Your only hope is that it's a collapse because those two players in defense are out and Bryce Young just collapses. And do we often ever see that, right, from an Alabama quarterback? Even new, I mean, even when it's Alabama loses, right, regular season or – or, or, you know, postseason, it's not because the quarterback is falling apart, right? It, it's because the other team is playing lights out. And I don't trust Florida to do that. And I'm with you. And I don't know if it's uh, the injuries to Alabama's linebackers or what that's making the spread go down to 14 and a half from where it opened up at like 16 and a half or 17. But, anyways, guys, those spreads on Bet Online, you can catch them right there. We do want to, uh, you know, thank Bet Online for always being a sponsor of the show guys you know football action is back so make sure that uh if you want the number one place for pro and college football uh betting action you need to head on over to bet online guys it's the you know they've got nfl mega contests that are up to uh half million dollars they got a two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor pool contest so head on over to Bet online either on your computer or your mobile device and sign up today for a hundred percent welcome bonus. So Donovan, whatever you put in, they're going to match it up to a hundred percent welcome bonus once you get going on there, guys. Bet online is the number one place for online sports book betting, guys. Bet online, the online sports book for you. So make sure you go over there and check it out today. And now, speaking of betting, guys, uh, it's a six point. Alabama opened up as a six-point underdog at Happy Valley. That's come down to about five points or so. Um, but speaking of that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to let our man Josh here give his take on Auburn visiting Happy Valley. And then we have probably one of the most hostile environments in college football. You have the whiteout at Penn State. 
And I'm just glad it's Auburn going there because um, I think this is going to be a great matchup. Um, I think this one's really going to be the test for Bo Nix to say, you've looked good the last two games, even though you've played absolutely nobody. Are we going to see the old Bo Nix come out who's inconsistent, who makes turnovers, just doesn't really show up when he needs to? He's had a couple good moments back, um, you know, against Oregon. He's, he's made some plays in his career, but, you know, overall, he just hasn't been exactly what Auburn is hoped for. I feel like he's really limited Auburn um, the last few seasons just because of the turnovers and mistakes and stuff like that. So you're facing a really good Penn State defense at home. We saw that Wisconsin game. Like, roll that tape again, and it's just nonstop defense on both sides of the ball. Finally, Penn State comes out on top on that one. I think Penn State comes out on top of this one, too. I think this environment, I know, Bo Nix, you've been to LSU, you've been to Alabama, you've been to Florida, like I said. That's the SEC, but I think it's just another environment where he's not going to be able to come in and show up. I like Penn State's defense. I want to see what Sean Clifford can do against Auburn. I I do have Auburn um, in the points in this one, but I think Penn State is going to be one of those really close, low-scoring games. I think the over-under is like 50-something. I think that's too high. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I think Auburn's defense is better than we think. I I, I just think both offenses are going to struggle against each other's defense. So in this one, I have Penn State really close. I think this is going to be like a 23-20, 23-21 kind of game. Um, so I think Penn State edges this out. They go to 3-0. Rich Franklin, all those USC rumors, I don't know how much goes into that, but I, I think Penn State just edges this one out with too much defense. What do you all think? <laughs> Yeah, no, no doubt there. I think that, you know, and, and like I said, guys, we are live on this right here. Josh is not with us, so that is a pre-recorded for him because uh, Josh has to cover stuff over the Washington football team, uh, another another pod that he has for them, the, the Burgundy Pod Network over there that he covers all things Washington football team related. But when it comes to Auburn going to Happy Valley, Donovan, this is something that is intriguing because of the dichotomy of Bo Nix, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what Bo Nix are we going to get? At home, Bo Nix is outstanding. He's thrown 20 touchdown passes to one interception in his career playing at home at Auburn. When it comes to on the road, Bo Nix only completes either on the road or neutral site games. Bo Nix has only completed 54.8% of his passes 13 touchdowns to 12 interceptions in 12 games. So he's good for at least a pick a game uh, in either away games or neutral site. And you won't get a more hostile environment than the wideout game at Penn State. No, and we've seen better teams in Auburn go in there and, and fall, right, to teams that are about the same kind of uh, talent level as this Penn State team is now. We've seen Ohio State go in there and lose, or we've seen them go in there and struggle. And, uh, again, Auburn really hasn't been tested, right? I mean, they played Akron and, you know, I, I, again, I love the Mac, right? But you're not going to get tested against teams like Akron, right? You're just not. And so going into a hostile environment, right? And where, where it's going to be loud. I mean, it's going to be deafening. What does that do to, you know, your audibles at the line of scrimmage, right? What does that do to, you know, your, the offensive lineman communicating and IDing in the linebackers in the run game? Because the moment you mess up one of those IDs or the moment one of those O-linemen can't hear the run, you know, the, the snap count or the, or they can't hear the quarterback adjustment. It all falls apart and that crowd will feast on it. I think this is a, a, a hell of a game for week three, right? And I'm with Josh. 
I the line is is interesting, right? I I think Penn State's a favorite in this, but I see it being a close, you know, kind of down to the wire game, but a defensive battle. No doubt. And guys, we're having fun here talking about some of these high profile games here streaming live on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. So if you if do us a favor, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications. Uh, also, you know, share with friends. We appreciate that. All the all the people that are in there right now, we'll see you in the comments, uh, comment sections, things like that. So hop in there. We'll love to interact with you on that. But I agree, Donovan, you're talking about a new offense for Bo Nix with Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator there who runs a true NFL pro style scheme uh, where there is a lot of offensive line quarterback uh, communication before the snap. He's given Bo Nix a, a lot of responsibility in this offense. Also there's side adjustments by receivers, um, you know, based off the coverage at Penn state's playing, they adjust their route and, you know, right at the snap. And uh, our Bo Nick, this is going to be the first time that new communication, that new rhythm and timing has been really strained, right, and put in a high-pressure situation because, you know, yes, they've scored 62 and 60 points against Akron and, Al and Alabama State. But, you know, that is nowhere near the level of competition that they're going to see against a Penn State team that held – Wisconsin to 10 points. I mean, I know they they forced three turnovers in that game at Camp Randall, and that's without having the crowd noise at their benefit. So I've got to – before I put my faith in uh, Brian Harson and, and Bo Nix and, and this new Alabama – or new – excuse me, man, those Auburn people really <laughs> like that, me saying Alabama. These new Auburn Tigers, I think that I'm going to have to go with Penn State and that environment there at home – uh, I like Sean Clifford and his experience. Really, him and Bo Nix are very similar type quarterbacks, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're guys who haven't always been accurate. Um, they're but they're guys who can create with their legs. I like Sean Clifford and Noah Kane to get things rolling a little bit more. You throw Dotson in there at receiver. I mean, they've got they've got some bona fide threats. I don't know if Demetri Demetrius Robertson, who I've seen play for four years at Georgia, who comes back for a super senior year and transfers to Auburn. I don't know if he's ready to be that guy. You know, he's a great young man, but he was never able to put himself in position to be that guy at Georgia. Someone, a team that needed a receiver to step up, and he was never able to do that. So I don't know when the lights are bright if Demetrius Robinson is going to be that guy for Bo Nix. Yeah, and you got to figure out with Penn State, is is their O-line going to kind of turn the corner right again? Fifty Only rush for 50 yards against Wisconsin. And again, I was really high on Wisconsin. I really was. I thought they were going to kind of – not to have the same trajectory or same outcome as I was having, right, with their elite defense right at the moment and struggling offense, that they're be a little more balanced. But I was pretty high on Wisconsin, and I'm still, you know, kind of high on them for get for them to get, you know, nine, ten wins. But fifty yards rushing, it's not going to do. Even if you are at home, right, in that environment, you have to perform better against Auburn, who again, you know, they're not a top ten team at the moment, but it's still Auburn, right? They're a top twenty top 25 team that has the talent to beat you even at your home field. Yeah. Uh, Sam Kim said, this is a hard game to bet the spread. Maybe the under, I, I agree. You can bet the under in this one. I see it being a, a, a rock fight up there in happy Valley. These are two offenses that are going to struggle to talented defensive fronts. Um, so that's, you know, that's what I'm going to uh, see there with those guys. Now um, let's get the opinion of speaking of playoff implications, right? Uh, you know, that has playoff implications because Penn State now, the, the Big Ten's wide open now, you know, now that, that Ohio State, I mean, obviously Ohio State still has everything in front of them Big Ten-wise, but they've shown that they, 
you know, everybody bleeds, right? Like they're, they're mm-hmm. human. Uh, so other teams in the big 10 have to have to think that there's some, some room to take advantage. So, you know, their playoff implications abound and one team that can take care of that and take advantage of that is a group of five team in Cincinnati. And Josh gives his interpretation of that Cincinnati and Indiana game. What's up, guys? This is Josh Taylor here to talk about this week's matchups that we're looking forward to and then give you some bets here at the end. First matchup I'm really looking forward to is Cincinnati versus Indiana. Cincinnati has one of my favorite quarterbacks with Desmond Ritter and one of my favorite uh, guys in the secondary, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. We finally get to see them on display. Now, we saw Indiana struggle against Iowa facing another good defense in Cincinnati, but we haven't seen Desmond Ritter face a a, a good opponent yet. So this is his warm-up before they get Notre Dame next week where we'll really see um, what they're about. But here's a crazy stat about Ahmad Gardner. He allows a career passer rating of 31.2. And a crazy enough stat is if the quarterback hiked the ball and threw it in the dirt every single play, his passer rating would be 39.6. So a quarterback has a better chance of literally just spiking the ball every single play and not throwing towards Ahmad Garner. That just shows you how electric he is in the secondary. I'm looking forward to this. Now, Michael Penix and my guy uh, Ty Freifogel get to see another good defense. Can they finally crack a better defense? And I don't know. That, that run game is just not there yet for them. They really need to get things going with Stephen Carr. It's been running too much through Michael Penix, who's coming back from the injury and him running the ball and just causing turnovers like he did against Iowa. They can't have that. So I'm really interested to see how they fare, you know, coming back against another good defense if they make any adjustments compared to what they did against Iowa. Like I said, Desmond Ritter, this is your chance to go on the road against a Big Ten opponent and really show what you're about. You're going to see him use his feet. You're going to see him toss the ball more. Um, Indiana allows a uh, only about 200 yards passing per game. I think he's going to eclipse well over that. Um, I think this is going to be one of his coming out games before, um, like I said, they face Notre Dame next week, where we're really going to see what he does on display. Cincinnati only a four-point favorite. That might be uh, one of my bets this week. What do you all think about this matchup? Cincinnati traveling to Indiana. <laughs> Yeah, I think that Josh is right about, you know, in terms of Desmond Ritter uh, hasn't really been tested yet. I saw him, you know, struggled uh, at times against Georgia, did some good things against Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year. So, you know, we'll see what ends up happening in that Cincinnati offense, but it could be ugly, honestly, if this Indiana team does not play better, Donovan, than they did against Iowa. Yeah, there was a lot of hype coming into this season for Indiana, and rightfully so, right? They had a great year last year, and a lot of people liked them. I was a little lower than most on them, but I think this is a big game for Cincinnati, right? We know what they do against, you know, Power 5 opponents, right? Especially, you know, good. I think Indiana is still a good Power 5 opponent, but they showed up to play in the bowl game last year versus Georgia, right? It's a big opportunity for them to step on the stage, Desmond Ritter, but the whole team in general, and say, we're here. We're not just some Cinderella story that's going to be, you know, number eight, number nine. We are here to play against the big boys, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean they could go out and beat Alabama, right? I don't think they could beat Indiana 63 to nothing, right? And I still don't think they would be able to compete against Alabama. But it'll tell the – they have an opportunity to tell the college football world we're here and we're staying for this season. We're a real threat. 
Yeah, here's what I think the difference is. Desmond Ritter to this year, to this point so far, obviously they haven't played uh, that high caliber of competition yet, but he's completing 72.3% of his passes, 11.4 yards per attempt. They're pushing the ball down the field. And, uh, you know, if Cincinnati's able to do that and do it early, Tom Allen's bunch last year was built kind of on that defensive style of football team right you know they had Penix and Freifogel but they were over there playing solid defense against Iowa uh giving up 34 points to, to Iowa is just mind-boggling because you you said it uh they're there I was not some offensive juggernaut they turned the ball over so many times I think Penix threw three interceptions against Iowa so it's uh it, that Cincinnati defense coached by Luke Fickle um, is going to be tenacious. They get after you. They got after JT Daniels in Georgia last year, so you know they're going to be able to put pressure on Penix. Is Penix able to – is he healthy enough and able to use his legs to be able to get the ball to Freifogel, to get the ball uh, to some of his other targets? They got to get a little bit of the running game going to keep you know Cincinnati's offense off the field a little bit. But, Donovan, I, I think that Cincinnati is uh, kind of primed and ready to go. The, my only question is – do the Luke Fickle to USC rumors mess with this team psychologically? You know, I mean, you 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 played college football. I know you've seen coaches come and go. Does that mess with you as a college football player when you've got a coach being considered for another job? It, it does, but when you have a guy like Luke Fickle, right? We saw him once at Ohio State, that kind of interim year when they went six and six. And but you have a guy who played at Ohio State, right? He has been in this kind of uh, culture building mindset at Cincinnati for the early part of his tenure there. And now they're established, right? They are, they're not some mid tier, like, Oh, this is our Cinderella or like, it's not like, you know, Scott Frost at UCF, right? Cincinnati has been, they were, you know, a, a, a top 10 team last year, right. And they're back in the same spot this year. It's consistency for them. So the players, there's been rumors, right? There's nothing been concrete. It's more of like, Oh, you know, Luke fickle, like he could be a top candidate there. I think Luke Fickle has built a culture there and, you know, is, is coaching style and his just personal style to keep that kind of baseline and that mentality even. And I think the players there uh, have that same kind of mindset. Absolutely. I want to address some guys over in the chat. Uh, Mark, you're talking about South Carolina and those points that Georgia's getting. Don, uh, Donovan, Georgia's a 31-point favorite over South Carolina. I think, uh, you know, it is hard to cover that many points, but no. – South Carolina just does not have the depth that, that Georgia does. I feel like they'll they'll wear them down, especially being at home. And the only reason I think that Georgia's going to try to impress really, really hard, one Arch Manning is going to be in attendance taken in that game. So you know Georgia's going to try to pour it on with Arch Manning there. The You know, when football royalty – Grace's Sanford Stadium and the Manning family. They have to have to try to put on a show. Sean Long's naming his top six in the SEC. He says Bama, Georgia, Kentucky, Florida, Texas A&M, Auburn. I don't disagree with that at all, Sean. But uh, Donovan, so we've covered Alabama at Florida. We think Alabama is going to absolutely just take Florida to the woodshed, beat them by 21 or more. Um, never really gave our official pick there on Auburn Penn State. I think Penn State takes care of business at home. What's your official pick on that one? I'm going to go Penn State. I'll go 20 to 17 again, low scoring and bet the under. Bet the under. Bet the under. I, then Cincinnati over Indiana. I think we both think that gets done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I think I'm a little higher than the spread indicates on, on uh, Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to go Cincinnati 28. I'm going to go IU 17. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. And then and Josh had Josh had one more game that he uh, analyzed for us on his pre-recorded video. We are live, guys. Want to point that out? We are live, Donovan and I, right now on the Three Sixty Five Sports YouTube channel. But we're about to play a pre-recorded video by our other co-host uh, Josh Taylor um, as he's uh, at the Washington Football team's game tonight covering it for his other Washington football podcast that he has but um, Josh broke down Tulane at Ole Miss which is an interesting matchup after what Tulane did a couple of weeks ago in Norman Oklahoma so we're going to play Josh's analysis of that for you real quick next up we have what seems like will be uh a game where you just hammer the over regardless of what the points is. That's Ole Miss and Tulane. You know Ole Miss is going to be rocking. Tulane's going to be coming to a hostile environment. I mean, they already played against Oklahoma and Norman, so they've kind of gotten a taste of that already. And it was very interesting because that seemed like a game where Spencer Rattler didn't really have a spotlight on him against Tulane. It was more of the freshman, Michael Pratt, who seemed to go off on that game and really make his presence known. Now he did have three costly turnovers. So you really have to think if the game would have turned out different, if it wasn't for that. Now, what I'm looking forward to the most in seeing this is of course, Matt Corral. If you watch ST football, if you follow an SEC team, Matt Corral is on your list, whether it's good or bad. Um, I think this is going to be one of the games where he, you know, pole vaults himself even more in the Heisman rankings. Some people have him as high as two right now. Um, but he's definitely a top five candidate in the Heisman race right now. This is going to be another game where he just throws some stats out there. Um, but I will say, I think the over-under in his passing yards is like 325, 330, something like that on uh, Bet Online. Um, so I would definitely hammer that. I don't see them, you know, being conservative at all in this game. Now, I will say, Ole Miss has had a pretty good running game going um, with uh, Henry Paris Jr. I'm looking for more of that this game. They're going to need that later on in the season when they're in the SEC opponents, you know, that long stretch of SEC opponents like Alabama. So they need to get that run game going. Tulane kind of stopped Oklahoma from running the ball. Swiss Rally didn't get to do too much on his feet either. So I think that's a good chance to really test out how good your running offense is um, in this one. And Ole Miss, don't forget about that Landshark defense. That's it's, this is a game where they can make their presence known too. Like I said, Michael Pratt, just if you're Oklahoma and you're the big 12, you're like, guys, this is, this is why everyone keeps, you know, harshing us about because our defense is so bad in the big 12 and Tulane, they should not have been back in that game. Once they were down and out like that against Oklahoma, there was no way should have been able to come back in like that. So if you're a betting person over in this game, I would, it's at 76. It's a lot of points, but I, I still would feel comfortable um, smashing that over on this one. But Ole Miss, I'm looking for them to make a statement this game and show, hey, the SEC is different, and uh, Matt Crowell to put up huge numbers. Yeah, so Josh right there talking about how exciting this game is going to be. And real quick, uh, Donovan, speaking of exciting, our pod is excited because we're partnering with Play Action Pools this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love, which is football. You'll be able to get in on the action with playactionpools.com, football pick em challenge, which is open to everyone, guys. So here's how it works. You go sign up over at for the Believe Football pick em at playactionpools.com. Dot com get your picks in each week uh, we're picking 10 of the most high profile games between nfl and college football whoever gets uh the correct picks wins cool prizes each week like electric sunglasses dc shoes all kinds of stuff going on uh again go to playactionpools.com sign up for the contest believe that's b-l-e-a-v football pick them 
and if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com. They got a variety of different contests over there. Play Action Pools, your home for all your office sports pools. So if you want to do your old little action there in the office or, or uh, you know, with family members, whatever, playactionpools.com. But yeah, with this old Miss two lane game, uh, I'm excited to see these two quarterbacks play. Matt Corral, bona fide Heisman candidate, which we'll talk about in our Heisman talk uh, later on. And then, of course, Michael Pratt, who uh, went two night for 296 and three touchdowns against Oklahoma. And the Green Wave got an onside kick late in that game and had a chance to go down and win. Oklahoma was able to make a stop when they needed to. But um, Lane Kiffin referred to this two-lane team as a – uh, close to an SEC squad in terms of the talent that Willie Fritz has been able to bring around. I know that's a lot of coach speak. Will uh, Lane Kiffin probably just, you know, psyching out his own players, making sure they don't overlook the green wave. But Willie Fritz is a good coach. He did good things at Georgia Southern 18 and seven during his time there. And, and uh, since 2018 hasn't had a losing season at Tulane, which is uh, nothing to scoff at. Yeah, I I feel like we uh, we owe an apology to a, a viewer from I, I believe either week one or week two. I'm blanking on the name. Who when we were calling out the early Heisman uh, favorites, we you know they mentioned Matt Corral and we said, ah, yeah, not yet. We don't we don't think so. And again, like you said, he's kind of I mean forced himself in this conversation. And I, I don't even think it's so much of if, but when he has a big game against Tulane, right? You're just, he's just going to solidify that that even more. I think the over under of this game was was close to 75, 74, 75. It it's it's got the brewings of an excited game. And especially with Old Miss, we watched their defense play against Louisville, right? They played angry. Like I and I know that the, the targeting calls and the refereeing, you know, it was up in the air, but they played angry. They played fun, right? Their offense is fun. It's a Lane Kiffin offense, right? But their defense played angry and fun. They're they're the team of Old Miss, I think, is something to keep an eye out in the sec in general and especially this game to see how well they perform and if they dominate it yeah and it's not just all on matt corral now mm-hmm. with this uh old miss team they got a three-headed monster over there henry paris jr they got jerry on early they got snoop connor all guys who have had you know 13 or more carries on the year uh approaching 100 yards for the year so i mean they're they're in in their two games so they're really you know trying to take <laughs> minds of conflict down here says arkansas uh, over ohio state arkansas over clemson so uh, donovan i don't know if you'd agree with that but but like i said with the uh with the you know three-headed monster there at running back for mississippi state there's a lot to like so uh, minds of conflict just lifting listing off teams down here that he thinks uh arkansas is better than that florida gonna rise up and pull an upset Ooh, that uh yeah. Woo! I don't know. Uh, listen, there's 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 ways that you can get help for whatever problem you have right there. But I'm just telling you, uh, Alabama is going to absolutely skull drag Florida this weekend. It's going to be very very rough. I mean, I I don't I don't know. Um, Alabama don't think that Nick Saban is not pissed off from the SEC championship last year, where his team kind of let their foot off the throat of Florida. He will he will hold that against them. He will hold the fact that Mercer completed two touchdown passes against them last week. Uh, Nick Saban always finds something to be pissed off about and have his team be pissed off about. So uh, trust me, you Florida's gonna be facing a angry Alabama team. Uh, we got a couple other games that we just want to touch on real quick. We can get deep 
into into it um you know if if we wanted to but i just think uh touching on them real quick an intriguing matchup arizona state and byu you know i i think that uh you know a lot like auburn and penn state you got an arizona state team that hasn't played anybody you got a byu team that's beaten two power five schools so byu they're getting primed up to go into the big 12 over there donovan uh do they keep things rolling against Jaden daniels and uh you know that that sun devil team over there in arizona state you know I, i'm pretty high in arizona state you know again i still think the pac-12 was wide open even with oregon beating ohio state i still think the pac-12 is uh is anyone's you know conference to win at this point but i think byu keeps the train rolling even with you know the loss that they had in the you know zach wilson leaving i love byu i don't know what it is about them right it's it's just they're a fun team right you, you want to root for them and again, a ranked matchup, you know, 19 versus 23. It's an exciting game. You know, they only allowed Utah 15 uh, for, I'm sorry. Yeah, BYU only allowed Utah 15 first downs and and they won time of possession battle uh, overwhelming. I'm a fan of BYU. I don't I, I don't know if that's weird to say, but I'm, I'm rooting for, I'm pulling for. I think they're going to keep the train rolling against Arizona State. Yeah, I, I think BYU plays the game in that kind of that old school mentality, right? They're gonna they're gonna you know be methodical on offense. They're gonna take care take care of the football, and you know now the question is with Arizona State, who's gonna help out Jaden uh, Jaden Daniels, right? Jaden Daniels is uh, not been able to get the ball down the field a whole lot. Only seven point five yards per attempt. Uh, that's not going to get it done and it was sustaining drives. You got to be able to push it a little bit more down there because you, you know, the pass pass percentage completion, isn't going to stay up there at 73.2 for you. So uh, you're going to have to take some shots down the field. The so question is who is he going to take those shots to? They need, they've got four guys that have five or six catches on the year. You know, Ricky Parasol, LV Bunkley Shelton, Johnny Wilson, Andre Johnson, all in there in that five to six catch range. Somebody's got to separate themselves for Arizona State to be the team that's going to take care or for them to be the team that's going to take care of business. I think BYU holds uh, holds serve at home. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go uh, – I'll go BYU 31. I'll go Arizona State 24. In our last matchup, before we get to our Heisman talk, we've got a Fresno State team. And this Fresno State team, I like a lot, Donovan. They they only lost to Oregon in Eugene by seven points. And after Oregon has headed, uh, has went to Ohio State uh, and beat them without Kayvon Thibodeau, um, man, that's an impressive win. And that's an impressive loss for Ohio State to be that close with them. Uh, early on in the year they're two and one on the year they played that zero week um, got a game out of the way early but uh, Fresno State's quarterback uh, Jake Hayner 67 of 91 for a thousand yards eight touchdowns zero interceptions they've got their wide receiver and Josh Kelly that's averaging 23 yards of reception uh, so they're gonna they're gonna take it to the air and test this UCLA secondary uh, my question for you Donovan is can Zach Charbonnet and the UCLA offense uh, you know sustain drives and keep things going like they did against LSU to keep Fresno State's offense off the field. Yeah, and and my word with UCLA is I'm waiting for when the wheels come off the wagon, right? Because, uh, you know, again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's only completing fit, not even 53% of his passes. At what point does that catch up to him in the UCLA offense? And again, what Fresno State's defense isn't anything crazy, but is it's it's going to catch up against you know an offense that's rolling. That's what Fresno State's doing, and I question when that happens. 
and it wouldn't be shocking that happens, you know, this coming weekend. Yeah, and we've got people in the in the comments we here talking about BYU being interested if they're able to take recruits from USC. That guys, that that could happen. USC is going to get poached. I know Georgia is probably going to poach a couple of their uh, recruit commits they have in this class. One, Michael Williams from Georgia. I think he'll end up flipping from USC back to Georgia. But BYU absolutely uh, could be a program on the upswing, especially heading in to the Big Twelve. But uh, you know, to your point. Uh, on that Fresno State and UCLA game, Donovan, I, I agree. It, it always seems like you're waiting on the other shoe to drop, right, with with UCLA and how things have been. But Chip Kelly and the way that he's able to uniquely scheme the run game with some of that pin and pull action that he's able to do, reading of uh, interior defensive linemen with you know with the with his quarterback and and uh, you know Charbonnet and Britton Brown are are two just stud running backs that are truly a dynamic one-two punch um and you know they've got a combined 397 yards between them and are averaging 8.44 yards a carry with six touchdowns on the year so i think that ucla actually uh doesn't disappoint us in this game i'm gonna i'm gonna say that ucla wins this game i do think that fresno state will put up some points on them i think jake hayner and company are going to really make them make them fight for this one but i'm gonna say ucla wins 28 24 yeah i i think fresno State's gonna keep it closer than you know some of the spreads that you've seen suggest i'll go ucla uh 31 i'm gonna go fresno state 27 so those are all of our matchups that have implications on the playoffs uh now it's time for us as we do every week to talk about our Heisman talk. But before I do, guys, I want you to see in the bottom left-hand and right-hand corners of the screen, we have new icons down there for the Sideline Sports Network. Guys, make sure to follow. If you like uh, content that's kind of a mix between it, maybe an ESPN and a Barstool, right? It's not it's not all wild and out kind of crazy topics all the time like Barstool, but it's not always just cut and dry sports. The Sideline Sports Network is somewhere that you need to need to go look at at sideline sports underscore sn and at ssn underscore college football uh they're partnering here with the show as well so excited to have them on with us but uh with that it's time to talk a little bit of heisman right here the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be yeah, so the best player in college football gets the Heisman Trophy. Uh, it's my favorite part of the week, favorite part of the show when I hear, get to hear Bret Hart uh, cut a promo right here on the show. Love it right there. But, you know, the Heisman talk has changed a lot. C.J. Stroud may still be in there because of just the numbers, sheer numbers that he's going to put up. Uh, we know Bryce Young is kind of the preeminent favorite. Um, but you know, have a couple of new players down there on the bottom of the list, Donovan, that if we're kind of making some noise, one from that UCLA team that we just talked about that has a big opportunity this week. Yeah. I mean, Zach Charbonnet, 13 yards a carry that again, you meant you touched on with Chip Kelly's kind of scheme. So they're, it's not that their offensive line is dominating, right. You know, game in and get out their game in and get out Their Their scheme is set up for success for the run game, but 13 yards a carry is insane. You know, four total touchdowns, two 100-yard games already. And there's does, doesn't seem that he's going to be slowing down, especially with a dual-threat quarterback already that gives you another kind of threat on offense of you already have a one-two puncher running back and a dual-threat quarterback. You have so many options to go to. 
Yeah, and another running back. There's actually two more running backs that we can talk about. One, mine's a conflict in the chat down here. says Tank Bigsby's Heisman candidate, uh, Heisman campaign starts in Happy Valley. The only thing I'm going to disagree with you on there, MOC, is is uh, the fact that I think James Franklin is too good of a coach, and he, 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 Penn State's too good of a uh, well-coached team to let – Tank Bigsby go in there and beat him. I think they're going to make Bo Nix. They're going to stack the box, make those unproven receivers for Auburn and Bo Nix beat them through the air on the road. Uh, I just think they're going to, you're always going to have, you know, six and a half, seven guys in the box, a lot of man coverage. And I, I just, I just don't see Tank Bigsby being able to have a huge game in this one. Uh, not, not the way they were able to, you know, contain things defensively so far this year but we'll see i think tank bigsby is one of the best running backs in the country he has no indication on that i just think that 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 that's going to be the focal point that penn state tries to take away uh from auburn and make him beat him and then the other one that we're going to talk about is i know it hurts for you uh donovan with uh, the ducks taking down your your buckeyes but cj verdell 6.2 yards per carry this year he had 20 carries for 161 yards two touchdowns uh, rushing, one receiving against Ohio State. Uh, that that kind of performance going on the road and being kind of the reason your team comes away with the win, that'll get you in the Heisman talk pretty quick. Yeah, well, and and again, we'll see how much uh, you know of success carries on in, in terms of how well he did against Ohio State. I think I saw a quote from one of the Oregon offensive linemen that said that their scout team was harder to play against than Ohio State's defense, right? They could predict everything. They saw everything coming. So we'll see if those same numbers carry over. Again, you're going to get Kayvon Thibodeau back. It's only going to propel your defense and your team, right, and put your offense in better situations if you're if the defense is getting the opposing offense off the field quick. Uh, we'll see where it goes with C.J. Verdell. No doubt. And, and uh, now we're going to get to our big three, uh, which we have – you know, different different style of bets and and you know performers to watch and all that kind of stuff. Three things in three different categories: matchups, bets, and storylines for you this week. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to the big three. Big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so it's time for the big three, and we have a little bit of a bonus here for you because, as we said, Josh is not with us here live tonight, but he went ahead and he went ahead and, and recorded his top three bets for you here. So I'm going to play Josh's take on his top three bets of the week. And then my top three bets that I'm looking at this weekend. There's a lot of tough ones, honestly. Like, I was really tempted for uh, Michigan State to pull up the upset at Miami because that defense has been on fire. Michigan State's looked a lot better than what anyone's expected. Um, same, UVA is kind of on that upset alert against uh, North Carolina. They might, you know, two Virginia schools playing the spoiler at Chapel Hill. I think the line's at about um, – eight right now it was at 10 so the line's moving closer towards virginia so that's another one to keep your eye on but i really like cincinnati minus four it's it like i said it's at indiana this is for me the game where desmond ritter will be able to do what he wants to do i like what they're going to do i know it's hostile environment big 10 so and so on it's a 12 o'clock game i'm not really looking too much it's not like one of those crazy night games in the big 10 i think cincinnati's defense is going to show up big this game 
I think, once again, Michael Penix is not going to be able to do what he wants to do. They have to get a run game going. And they really need to get him established in the passing game. Like Ty Freifold, he's going to get stats. He's going to get the yards. He's going to score. But Michael Penix can't be throwing two, three interceptions against really good defenses. You're not going to win games like that. So Cincinnati, four-point favorite. I'm taking it. I'm throwing some money on that one. Another one I like, Maryland, minus seven and a half. That's a lot of points against Illinois. Um, But to me, Maryland, that's just too much offense. And and the over-under, I want to say, is at like 55, 56, somewhere in that range. So for me, I look at it as in there's no way Illinois is going to be scoring like 35 points or 28, nothing in that range. So I think this is a game where Maryland can score in the high 30s and Illinois is going to keep it at like 20 or 17, 21, somewhere in that range. So I really like Maryland seven and a half. They have two really good wide receivers who can stretch the field. Of course, Talia Tagovailoa is going to throw that rock around and he can use his feet. I think we're going to see that more in this game too. Just his mobile presence and what he can do in scrambling, just like Tua. Um, so seven and a half Maryland. I know I usually hate that little half point for seven, but I feel really good about it. I think this is a 10 to 14 point win, and it should be pretty easily uh, for Coach Loxley and the Maryland Terps. And my last one, this one was kind of tough too, but I kind of talked about in the previews. Auburn plus five. I think that's too many points for a very close game. Once again. I think this is going to be a low-scoring defensive affair, back and forth, kind of like the Wisconsin game. Not as bad, um, but I could definitely see this being a 28-24 or 27-24 kind of game. I think Auburn's defense is going to show up. I just haven't seen enough of Penn State's offense and Clifford to say, hey, yeah, they're going to score a lot of points in Auburn. I just haven't seen that. So Auburn – and Auburn can very well win this game. There's nothing – you know, too definitive saying, hey, yeah, Penn State's huge favorites this game because they're not. Um, yeah, they have the home field advantage, but plus five Auburn, that's just a lot of points. I like that cushion. Um, you know, anything under like seven like that, I, I like that a lot. So I'm going Auburn plus five. I say you bet those three and you should be able to cash out. Presented by Bet Online. <laughs> Yeah, so those are kind of kind of a little bonus for you there. Josh decided to throw in his top three bets, but uh, Donovan, we got uh, you know right now the lines went down to unbelievably to me. I, I cannot believe the line is down to Alabama minus fourteen and a half at Florida. I think Alabama should. I mean, I know Vegas wouldn't set the line, but what what the heck? Alabama is going to beat Florida by more than fifteen points. I think of all the three bets that we have, that might be the biggest lock of them. And that's the biggest spread, right? I mean, it's probably like if you just blank look on a paper, it's the one you think you take the most pause at. I think it's the best, biggest lock um, of all three of the bets. The next one we have Army and UConn, which take the over on this one, 48 and a half. Uh, the reason I say 48 and a half, Army may score 48 and a half by themselves on UConn. UConn is one of the – UConn and Akron are fighting for America's worst team, and I would like to see them play each other in something that I would like to call the NCAA Toilet Bowl because they are both awful. I mean, absolutely t- – the UConn football team will cease to exist shortly. I mean, it's just not going to be around, right, Donovan? FCS Holy Cross scored 38 points on them. That should tell you all you need to know about this UConn team. Again, Army's, you know, known for their triple option, right? They're, they're not known for, you know, scoring a bunch of points. I, I, I'm with, like, this This game is, it, it's, I think, uh, Army's favored by 34, which is a nut, you know, it's insane for Army to be 
favored by 34 against anybody. But that tells you how bad the UConn is. I would, I, I would take both lines honestly if if, if I were uh, you know betting this game. And then you have West. Uh, yeah, excuse me. You have Virginia Tech plus three at West Virginia. Excuse me. When did West Virginia become you know the 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 85 Bears? I mean Virginia Tech just took North Carolina to the woodshed, and they're a three point underdog. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand this. I, I I don't get this line of why Virginia Tech number fifteen is an underdog to one and one West Virginia. I don't care if it's at West Virginia; it doesn't mean anything. Right? There's they're they're basically attached to each other, you know, geographically at the hip. They're, it's not like it's that big of an advantage at West Virginia. Again, Virginia Tech just I mean they dominated North Carolina, right? What what suggests that West Virginia is deserving to be a field goal favorite over them? I don't get it, and I think it's a great bet to pick Virginia Tech plus three. No doubt, no doubt. And then, uh, you know, I mean, I, I just don't get that because West Virginia lost several of their top defensive players into the transfer portal, one of them being Tyke Smith, who Georgia's hoping to get back right now. He's out with a uh, broken fifth metatarsal in his foot. Um, but before we get our matchups, I want to say thank you to Chris Woods down here. He said, uh, Chris Woods says, awesome show. Once again, guys, keep up the good work. Your information always helps me with my weekly picks. I appreciate that, Chris. And make sure, guys, while we're at it, to hit the subscribe button. Uh, turn on notification on 365 Sports YouTube channel. Thanks for Sideline Sports Network for partnering with us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast platform stuff, guys. Now we got three top three matchups for the week. Ty Fry Fogel versus Ahmad Gardner. Uh, Josh already kind of went into deep detail on that, and we did too. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of leave that where it is. You know, that'll be a good matchup between those two. Um, then Matt Corral versus Tulane's defense. Uh, Tulane's defense held Oklahoma to three of 12 on third down, and that's why they were able to get back in that game there, Josh, and uh, and Norman, and you know, had two interceptions. You think they can? Uh, I mean, Matt Corral's gonna be slinging it around. You think they can create some turnovers? I think just the nature of you know Matt Corral's game and and their how many times they throw, there is there's a chance that they could have you know two turnovers that he could have two interceptions again. But again, I still like Matt Corral. He's an exciting player. He's a gunslinger, right? I, I'm I'm looking forward to this matchup. I'm more looking forward to the game in general. But again, I I think just the nature of their play calling, you could see a couple interceptions from Tulane's defense. Gregory Krug says the off the odds makers do not set the line based on who they think are going to win. They base it on the who the gamblers are putting money on. Well, my question is, why are the gamblers? What gamblers are putting money on Florida? To, to cover and West Virginia to to win. I, I do not understand that. I, I don't I don't get it because both those teams are going to get smashed this week. Then we have Dustin Crum versus the Iowa defense. Any quarterback right now facing that Iowa defense, I don't envy them because uh, it's Kurt Ferentz has you know all American candidates out at corner. Uh, you know he's got a senior laden football team. Very very experienced and you know he's been there he's had a set culture the whole time so three interesting matchups there for you and then our three storylines going into the week we covered the storylines coming into the week now maybe going out of the week these are the headlines you may see Desmond Ritter and the Bearcats tell the college football world that Cincinnati is ready for anyone, especially heading into Notre Dame. What do you think about that headline coming out of the week, Donovan? I like it. Maybe I should have added is ready for anyone but Alabama. But 
I, I, I am confident in Cincinnati going into Indiana and kind of proving themselves as a legit, not just a New Year's Six Bowl, you know, placeholder contender, but as a legit threat to make it into the playoffs. Um, I like, I love their chances. I love this UC team and what they're doing. Yeah, Oklahoma handles Nebraska, but their defense should scare Sooner Nation. Uh, so their defense already should scare Sooner Nation. But uh, if Nebraska comes in there in the 50th anniversary of what's called the greatest you know g- game ever between the two, uh, then if Nebraska and Scott Frost are able to make some noise against Oklahoma, then it's going to get rough for those guys. Yeah, Nebraska's they're a bad football team, right? I mean, Oklahoma's defense, like you said, should already scare Sooner fans, right? And and their chances for the playoffs. But if Nebraska puts up more than fourteen points, I mean, they're that bad of a football team. You should be scared. You really should be. And then our final headline: Spartans stay hot and boot Miami out of the top twenty-five. Um, you know, I I think that Miami team, Donovan. Uh, I know we we're hyping up Alabama and, and rightfully so. Alabama is, in my opinion, the best team in college football, uh, and at this point by a wide margin. But that Miami team was absolutely putrid in the secondary. Uh, I don't. I know that there's one thing if if receivers that are almost superhuman for Alabama go up and win 50-50 balls, or they they make a unbelievable catch. But when they're running wide, but naked open down the middle of the field in the back nobody within 20 yards of them and then app state hangs within two points of you at home you know and the biggest thing that comes out of your game is a cat falling from the upper deck and people catching it in a flag and holding it up like you know simba on the lion king you got problems down there in miami yeah, again, Michigan State, we, I thought they were going to be bottom tier, you know, kind of yikes of the Big Ten, right? They've had some momentum carry them, right? They seem to kind of be in the inner workings of flipping that culture. And again, Miami, what 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 would suggest that they're not, you know, they're obviously not back, but what would suggest that they're not going back into a downward spiral like we've kind of seen that cycle repeat for them uh, among other teams? I, I'm liking the Spartans to stay hot. Yeah, I do too. You know, that that's a well-coached team uh, coming down in there to, to um, you know, Miami. But that is our big three, guys. We appreciate everyone who's who is tuned in this week. Do us a favor. Like I said, subscribe, turn on notifications, all that good stuff. But tell your friends about it. We're live every Thursday night at 9 o'clock. You can catch the podcast version on Friday mornings. Hope you'll actually subscribe. Give us a download over there. Uh, just if you want to, you know, go back and listen to analysis and stuff when you're driving around the car or whatever, uh, get some picks, get a little primer for the Saturday action ahead. We greatly appreciate it. We'll have Josh back with us next week. Uh, try to bring on a, a top-notch guest for you as well. Um, a couple more comments down here before we go. Uh, I think it's SLXXXXT says Florida is going to run on Bama and get some yards on Bama, but Bama is going to score. They, they're they going to have to run uh, SLXXT because they can't pass the ball. They're not going to be get over top of Alabama's defense, and Emory Jones is a walking pick. Uh, he threw two interceptions against, you know, cover three. I think Florida's in in trouble. And then Gregory Krug says, I'm a, a W 
VU fan, but I think VT will win something like 27 to 17. Hey, right along with what we're thinking there, Gregory. So great minds think alike. For Donovan, I am Blaine. Josh will be back with us next week. And this has been CFB Unfiltered on the Believe Podcast Network and the 365 Sports YouTube channel with partnership of Sideline Sports Network brought to you by Bet Online and playactionpools.com. We will see you next Thursday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.